This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You go into a grocery store and let's say you picked up a watermelon. So what I started is something called Farmer Who, and we actually started off with watermelons back in March when COVID first started. It's a picture of me holding a QR code, and you just put your camera up to that QR code, and a one-minute video will pop up with me and the farmer that grew that exact piece of produce that you're holding. Hello, and welcome to episode 89 of the Farm Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams, and today on the show, we have Michelle Martin on the podcast. So Michelle has got a lot of things going on. Um, Not only is she a farmer and rancher in South Texas, she also has a TV show called Ag on Wheels. She also has a magazine called Ag Mag, which which kind of highlights um, Southern Texas agriculture. She also is working on a project called Farmer Who, which is the coolest thing ever. And I'll let Michelle kind of dive a little bit deeper into that subject. But basically, it's a sticker on food produce that you can take a picture of. And the QR code takes you to the video of her interviewing the farmer that actually grew that crap. I mean, that's the coolest thing ever. Sorry, I'm geeking out about it. But I mean, you can see right then and there who grew your food and how they grew it. So that's super neat. And um, so, yeah, so Michelle has a lot of stuff going on. We're going to talk about her magazine, her TV show, what she's doing to help educate consumers and kind of grow um, her businesses. And she also was kind enough. um, I entered a contest on her Instagram page, which is agmag underscore STX, and um, was lucky enough to win some grapefruit and oranges. And they were absolutely delicious. The grapefruits were huge. The oranges were delicious. Um, Super fun. So, yeah, this is a super cool interview with Michelle learning all about um, South Texas agriculture what she's doing farming-wise, what her production methods are, conventional or organic. And we're going to talk about kind of the trade wars going on between Mexican produce and American-grown produce. Be sure to check out Michelle um, at her website, AgMag. I believe it's AgMag. Uh, Let me see. 
yeah, it's just theagmag.org and also on Instagram and her YouTube channel, which will have all of the stuff linked in the description of this episode. And again, our episode guest today, it's episode 89. We're getting so close to 100. Um, it is Michelle Martin. Hope you enjoy this episode and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Michelle Martin, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I've got to ask real quick. I saw on your Instagram story today that you, this afternoon, ate a habanero pepper. Are you recovering pretty well from that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Ask me tomorrow. Uh, currently, <laughs> my mouth is still on fire. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I've A coworker of mine brought me a chocolate habanero one time, and we thought we were going to die. It was miserable. I was drinking coffee creamer by the gallon because we didn't have any milk. So always yep. fun, I guess. <laughs> I didn't have milk and I drink a, a carbonated drink after it. And apparently that makes it 10 times worse. So that, was, Oh no, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> I can imagine. So will you do it again? Probably not. You know what? Yeah, I probably would for entertainment purposes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. That's not bad. It's always a fun time. So, all right. So I actually, I don't know how, but I just found your Instagram a few weeks ago. And um, actually, I was lucky, lucky enough to be one of those people that you selected for that grapefruit giveaway. So I'm still waiting on the grapefruit. I know you said you shipped a few days ago. I'm yep. super excited to try it. That's going to be awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of a background and what you're doing. Sure. So I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley, which is the most southern tip of Texas. So I live about 10 miles, seven to 10 miles from the Mexican border. And Basically grew up here all my life, went to A&M for college and swore I'd never move back home. And sure enough, I did. And I wanted my whole life to be a news anchor. Oh, hold on one second. Okay, oh, thank you, Max. Sorry, my son. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> He's bringing me a water. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're prepared now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my whole life, I wanted to be a news reporter. And so my first job out of college was an assistant producer at a news station um ultimately I wanted to work my way you know from the bottom to the top and they just told me that they didn't really see that happening that I didn't really fit the criteria for a news reporter so I left that job had several jobs in between and finally found myself at a private school and a church and a child care doing all their marketing and their admissions uh after three years there really wasn't much to do anymore and so I I prayed and prayed about it, and I give the credit to the big man upstairs, and that's when I had the idea for the agricultural magazine called AgMag. So, yeah, that's awesome. that's awesome. I've checked out. It. It's a really good magazine. I like it so far. It's been really cool to read. Yeah, so basically my intentions were the Rio Grande Valley really didn't have anything um, like that. They used to, but they didn't, and so I quit my job with $200 in my bank account, and decided that I was going to pick up where the last person kind of left off. And I started just finding agricultural articles on Google. I uh, had one of my coworkers I worked with in the past named Al. He's a graphic designer. I said, hey, can you throw together this fake magazine? I'm going to go around to all these ag places and ask them if they want to invest in me. And I started off with four advertisers and now I'm up to about 60. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's been quite the journey. 
It sounds like it. That's awesome. Yeah, kind of starting and getting up there to 60 sponsors for your magazine. That's pretty cool. So I also saw that, and I checked out a lot of the YouTube videos. You also have this show called Ag on Wheels. So what's that all about? Sure. So after I had my magazine uh, for about six years, it kind of started to run itself. And I thought that I should expand my business. I'm very ADHD. I never sit still. If you can tell on my Instagram, I'm always on the go. And so I found myself driving down the highway. And one day I just said, you know what? Why don't I make this a show? Basically turn the magazine into a show. And kind of like micro dirty jobs. Let's go out there. Let's show the world how hard everyone in agricultural works. And so I started off with one episode and it kind of just grew from there. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love talking about micro and dirty jobs because that was such a cool show. And I mean, the way that he would highlight, especially um, farmers and ranchers, kind of the hard work that they do day in and day out. I mean, a lot of people had no idea what was going on. So that's cool. You're kind of picking that up and showcasing what's been going on. And I've seen that you've interviewed kind of some big time people like Jay Hill. I know he's got a massive Instagram and Facebook following. So, I mean, what are some other big names or really memorable locations that you've been to? Um, you know, it, it, for me too, it's not necessarily just the big names. Um, I know with Jay Hill, he had asked me to do his podcast. And so when I agreed to it, I said, well, let's just hit two birds with one stone. You know, why don't you do my show and I'll do your podcast? Kind of, I scratch my back, you, you know, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. And so that's kind of how that happened. Um, Rob Sharkey has been a really memorable one. But I think one of the really most memorable ones is one of the ones here I did locally. And that was the Akushi Beef episode. And that episode to me was just so heartfelt because of all the trials the family had been through. And yet they've still built this business from nothing to something that's very profitable now, uh, despite all those tribulations. So that was probably one of my most memorable ones. I can imagine. Yeah, I'm sure they're filled with like memorable experiences and guests and stuff like that. So tell us a little bit about your, I mean, I've been following your Instagram stories a lot and you do a really cool job ed educating what you're doing and what's going on. So what, what exactly can you tell us about kind of your operation and what you guys have going on? Sure. So the Rio Grande Valley, a lot of times people have the misconception when you think of down here, they think of border wars. I don't know if you've ever heard of that show, but you know, they think of, oh, it's so close to Mexico. It's a border town. And they don't think that there's a lot of agriculture down here. And there is. We grow over 50 different varieties of vegetables. Uh, citrus is a huge thing here. And then we also have, you know, your cotton, your grain, your corn, all that stuff. But what we do personally, my husband works for Helena Chemical as a fertilizer salesman. He's also an agronomist and does precision ag for them. But on the side, he also farms and he farms vegetables and some exotics like methi leaf, which is like an Indian herb similar to cilantro. Uh, we also do mustard greens, kale, parsley, dill. And so that's some of the stuff we do. Uh, also, we do the corn and the cotton and your grain. Gotcha. Okay. And would you guys say that y'all are organic or are you conventional or are you a little bit of both? Last season, we kind of dove in and we're trying to figure out kind of the key differences between organic and conventional. So how would you guys identify your production methods are? Well, we're definitely conventional. Um, however, I do work with a lot of farmers throughout my magazine show. Uh, my husband is partners with one that does grow a lot of organics and he checks their crops, but we're definitely conventional. We do spray. Uh, but I, I mean, I can tell you the differences really, if you want to know. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell us. We learned a lot last season, but I always love getting different viewpoints and stuff. So tell me kind of the key differences to you between conventional and organic. Okay, just in my opinion, I mean, I'm not well versed to really state a fact, but, you know, a lot of people are under the perception that organic is not sprayed at all, that it's just planted and it grows perfectly fine. And that's just a huge misconception that I'm trying to clear up because I know a lot of organic farmers, especially in our area, that do spray, but they do spray a watered down substance. I'm not going to go into exactly what they spray because everyone's different, but organic still does get sprayed. So that's one misconception I think that a lot of people have. And that's what we do down here with our organics. Oh, yeah. I mean, my, you would think like I, I've i been pretty active in ag for a while. And even my own parents were like, wait a minute, they actually do spray organic crops. I was like, yes, yes, they do. Like just because it's organic doesn't mean that they don't use pesticides and stuff. They're just like naturally occurring. So that is definitely yeah. a big one that I see all the time. One thing that I've done on my Instagram and since you said you just started following me, I haven't done it in a while. But what I would do is once one Friday out of every month, I would go to a grocery store or a restaurant. And I would ask consumers questions and I would ask them, for instance, uh, do you know what organic is or do you know what GMO stands for? And the answers that these people gave me would blow your mind. <laughs> I can imagine. I had no clue. I mean, and I'd say, well, why are you buying organic versus, you know, this, this crop? And they tell me, I don't know, because that's what I read. I read it's better for me. And I'm like, so where did you read it at? And they would tell me, oh, well, Google something online, Facebook. And I'm like, oh, we have so much work to do. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed somebody last year and they had a shirt that says, ask a farmer, not Google. And I'm like, that is the greatest shirt design that I think that I think everybody needs to remember yeah. <laughs> the saying on it. That's awesome. Yeah. Ask a farmer, not Google. Um, my favorite one is I'm all about kind of the, the non GMO label. It drives me crazy. And I love yes. seeing the, the pink Himalayan sea salt one. I'm like, oh, cool. This sea salt is non-genetically modified, a.k.a. it's a mineral. Like, no, <laughs> duh, it's a non-GMO. Exactly. It's all a marketing scheme. And you know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because something that I've recently started is called Farmer Who. And basically, when you go into a grocery store and let's say you picked up a watermelon, it has a sticker on it with the PLU number and maybe the farm's name where it came from, right? Mm -hmm. So what I started is something called Farmer Who, and we actually started off with watermelons back in March when COVID first started. And it's a picture of me holding a QR code. And you just put your camera up to that QR code and a one minute video will pop up with me and the farmer that grew that exact piece of produce that you're holding. Because a lot of times in grocery stores, whenever you go to pick your oranges or your potatoes, whatnot, they come from all different growers you know, and they're put into the same bin. So this concept actually allows you to meet that farmer that grew that exact piece that you're holding. That's such a cool idea. And I'd seen your farmer who thing, but I didn't know what all was going on with it. And so that's such a clever idea. I mean, are you hoping that that kind of continues to grow? And I mean, in a perfect world, that should be on every single product <laughs> in the grocery store. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, it would. And, you know, it's a lot more work uh, than is I wish it was simpler and we could do it to everything. And we're, you know, we have plans to do it on poultry, on beef, on, on cheese, on all that good stuff. In fact, I'm actually going to go do a cheese farmer here next month in February, but um, I do want it to grow and it's just going to take baby steps. It's very, very new. And kind of with COVID, we had to pull back a little bit because we're restricted as to what we can and can't do. 
And as you very well know, being involved in agriculture, uh, farmers aren't really wanting to spend money right now, and neither are advertising companies. So that's been a setback, but we're going to start back up next month. And so hopefully we'll get it going. Well, there you go. And yeah, kind of going off of that, I mean, you've traveled around to a bunch of different farms and ranches. And I mean, you, you farm yourself. So what have you seen farmers and ranchers do with COVID? I've seen a lot of people diversify and some go from selling straight to restaurants to selling straight to consumers. And so what all have you seen as farmers continue to adapt to life with COVID going on? You know, down here, I really haven't seen much of a difference. Um, and with the traveling, with the people that I have visited, I really haven't seen too terribly much of a difference. Uh, I know that farmers feed the world. And so when COVID first started, it was really our time to shine, you know, to prove to the world that farmers aren't here to hurt anyone, that they're here to to feed you and to clothe you and to provide for you. But as far as restrictions and diversification, I, I personally haven't seen anything too terribly different. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, some people just might find something that's still working for them. And I mean, every farm is different. I mean, no two farms are going to be exactly the same. So that's right. That's pretty cool. So I didn't know that this was an issue. And since you're so close to Mexico, you might know about this. I didn't know that a lot of um, like Mexican produce and farms and stuff like that, that um, there's a lot of issues with like a trade war going on. Like they want access to the dollar and they'll sell their <laughs> produce dirt cheap. And so what what all is going on there between U.S. produce and Mexican produce? Well, basically, the Mexican produce, uh, they can grow a crop cheaper than we can here and their labor is much cheaper there than it is here so a lot of times when it comes to the market um you know people are going to buy from mexico because they're offering the better price which is really stripping us of of really having a chance to make money and i know that onions are a big deal when i went and interviewed a couple out in new mexico they were saying you know it's really tough to grow onions because mexico grows them so much cheaper and sells them so much cheaper but uh, down here, our season is kind of flip-flopped with Mexico. Uh, so they grow before, or they plant before we do. And so we kind of coincide with one another. But I mean, there is struggles. They they provide a lot cheaper than we can, ever could. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I was talking with um, Shay Myers from, I think, Utah, I believe, or Colorado. And he was talking about that, how they grow onions and a lot of problems they have is that they can produce them just a lot quicker and a lot, and a lot cheaper down there in Mexico. So that's yeah. something that the 30,000 foot view of ag, you really would have no idea unless you're really in tune with it. That's right. And you know, a lot of people too, that follow me on my Instagram or my social media outlets, they think they always ask me, well, isn't labor super cheap and easy to find down there being so close to the border? And it's really not. Um, it's not that easy at all. We have to pay them very well. And in fact, a lot of the workers, especially, well, here's one thing with COVID, is that these workers are getting paid more for unemployment than they get paid with minimum wage. And so they're just not wanting to work because they're making more money staying at home than they are to actually get out there. And so that's a little difficult for us down here is finding labor. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. I mean, a lot of people are getting unemployment at a lot higher rate than they are what their normal jobs were. So I, mm -hmm. I haven't even thought about that in terms of like even picking produce. Yeah, um, you know, I'm still learning that too because I didn't grow up on a farm. My mother owned a restaurant and she passed away when I was sick or pregnant with my son. But uh, 
and my father, yeah, that's, that's a whole different ball game story, but <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up in an agricultural setting. And so when I started my magazine six years ago, I mean, I pretty much married a farmer, but I've been learning and every day is something new for me to learn as well. And that's one of the struggles that I think that we personally as a family have dealt with is finding good labor. Oh, you're right. No, I can imagine. So, I mean, what all has that experience been? I mean, with farming, of course, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of challenges, but I'm sure that there's also a ton of rewards. So what have kind of those high moments been for you? Uh, The high moments for me is basically watching, you know, your whole crop grow and then to be able to sell it. Uh, It's kind of like having, you know, another child. My husband actually is letting me farm um, some acreage by myself. And it means the world to me because I just think that it's really rewarding to see your hard work come to fruition and know that it's going to a good place. You know, you're providing for people and keeping their their tummies full. And so for me, that's just something that is a really high, you know, a high point. And also all the diversification that we have. My husband's more of the farmer and I'm more of the, I guess you could say the marketer with my magazine and show. But to be able to educate these people on all the different stuff that we have down here. I personally didn't know we grew as many vegetables like kohlrabi and, you know, daikon. All these things that I had never heard of were being grown down here. And so that's a high point for me as well, um, is just continuing to learn and to educate. Do you have, I mean, going off the marketing side of things, I'm always trying to figure out what's the best way to market to consumers. And I've heard people that say consumers really don't want to hear about facts. They want something that's going to appeal to them, that's going to kind of strike their heartstrings. So have you found anything like that? Any tactics that really work when it comes to communicating with consumers about food production? Absolutely. Uh, What I've learned over the years is exactly what you said, is that people want, you know, the heartstrings. They want They want you to feel that you're the same as them. You know, you're a real person too. And they don't want you to be like a teacher teaching them facts and reprimanding them for the way that they think. Because it's sometimes, yes, it's a person's fault, but at the same time, it's how they're raised and it's what they're taught from other people. And so to be able to really get to that consumer, you know, hence my farmer who sticker is, we do a one minute video just about the farmer just about them, where they grew up, how they got into farming. You know, we don't talk about what they spray or anything like that. And that's the same concept with my show is that I just feel like the more real you are with people, the more realness you'll get back from them. And um, I think that's just what the consumers are looking for these days. And they're looking for a sense of security. And if you can provide that sense of security by being real, then it's a win. I like that. Yeah. I, being real, I mean, you're going to develop so much trust with the consumers and they're going to be like, wait, this person's not trying to sell me anything crazy. They're just showing what goes on on the farm, what produce they're making. Like, I really like that. Like being real, being honest, being transparent is really key to kind of earning their trust. I like that. Yeah. And I mean, if you follow me on my Instagram, you, you can see that I'm extremely sarcastic and, you know, I'm always laughing, trying to have a good time. And when you meet me in person, that's exactly how I am. I'm not going to put on a show for people um, just, you know, to do it. I'm putting my whole self out there. And sometimes it's difficult. And, you know, I think a lot of people run into that when trying to reach the consumers. Well, what if they don't like what I do? Or what if they don't like what I say? And that's just something that people have to deal with. That's it. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. I can imagine. So now this might be a selfish question because I'm trying to figure this out, you know, building the Farm Traveler brand and all that stuff. And you said you went from three sponsors to 60, which is phenomenal. So how do you go about doing that kind of marketing yourself, telling them what you're about? Because I know for every yes you might get, you might get like 10 to 15 to 20 no's. So how do you yes. build up all that support without getting um, just kind of, I don't know, down at all the no's that you might receive? Well, you know, so this is like a whole different podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, absolutely. When I started, um, I basically didn't know a lick about farming. My husband did, but I didn't. But I knew that it was kind of what God wanted me to do. And so I went to all these different agricultural based companies and I said, you know, do you want to invest in me? This is my idea. And as soon as that one magazine came out and people saw that it was real and that it was tangible, you know, they just started coming in the advertisers and the articles, they just started coming in. And I really started to involve myself in the world of agriculture, going to the 4-H and FFA shows or anytime that there was a field day put on by a, you know, a seed rep or, you know, a spray or a chemical rep. I was there handing out magazines, meeting the farmers, talking to the farmers, just being as extremely involved as I could. And then I just started my Instagram a year ago, believe it or not. And I just started connecting with people from all over and teaching them and having conversations. And that's really how I built my brand. Well, there you go. Those are all really good points. I like I that. Think, starting those conversations. I think networking is really just what's going to help is, you know, getting to know other people, being open to meeting new friends, hearing their practices, because a lot of times people are so closed minded that their practice is the only practice in the best way. You know, and so I think networking is just your biggest, your biggest win that you could do to help your brand. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm learning with networking. Sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. really good. Networking is a very important aspect. Yes, it is. And I think just getting as involved as you can and asking people to be part of, you know, what they're doing and how can you share their story. And I think eventually people will catch on and it just starts to grow. There you go. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Well, Michelle, so, all right, if people want to follow you, your Instagram handle is agmag underscore STX, and you've got a lot of other stuff going on. So where can they go to follow you and kind of follow your story and even to see more about this farmer who, which is super cool. So they can also go to my website, which is the agmag.org. And there they can get my magazine free. Uh, my magazine is free, hard copy or digital. And then they can also follow me on Facebook, which is the agmag as well. And that's it. All my Farmer Who magazine shows, everything's there, as well as my YouTube. It's same thing, agmag underscore STX. Awesome. All right. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for being on. Um, Really look forward to see what what all you're doing. And once I get that fruit in, I'm going to do a quick little Instagram video to review it because I'm super excited for it. (laughs) Yes, it should be be there tomorrow, if not, no later than Monday. So it's shipped. Oh, yeah, I believe I'm excited to, to get it. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for being on and best of luck. Keep up um, all the great stuff you're doing and we'll have to talk with you soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me. God bless.